However, you know I love howevers and I don't like the word but, I like however. Hey, you did a great job, but. Doesn't sound good. That's negative. But when I say, hey, you did a great job, however, let's try this. See how I did that there? Okay. However, a gift must be received in order for the recipient to take ownership of it. Yes? Yes. Mm -hmm. I can leave a gift at your, I can have UPS drop something at your house, but until you go outside, get it, and bring it inside, and open it up, it's not your gift. You haven't received it. And I think that sometimes we get too caught up in, you know, Jesus is the gift of the world, and that's all, and that. but, but, but have people received it? That's right. Have they received it? We all know God gave us Jesus. 2,000 years ago, there's more books, more copies, and more languages than anything ever written. More historical documents point to the Bible being true than anything else. And God orchestrated everything the way it was meant to happen in order to offer his gift at just the right time. I was one of those things where I wrote this out and I was like, it's got to be like you're in the right place at the right time on the right day. And then this morning I see faces I don't see. And I'm like, yes, I love when God does that. Amen. I do. Right. I get excited because I'm getting ready to say something like, you're in the right place at the right time. And God orchestrated it, you know, and I'm going to get all excited and, and shouty and, and feel good. You know how I do it. But listen, God orchestrated everything the way it was, meant, it was meant to happen in order to offer his gift at just the right time. And God brought you here today at just the right time. Maybe you have received that gift. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Did I take that gift though? Yeah. Am I in possession of that gift? Am I doing something with that gift? You know the Bible says faith without works is dead. Sometimes I could take some New Testament scripture and say one thing and find you something else and they will sound absolutely contradictory to each other. It's not that they contradict each other. It's that they're both truth. So when I say that God gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, that means all you've got to do is believe in him. Does that mean you're going to be a sinner the rest of your life? Well, if I gave you that gift of salvation and you receive it, and you use that gift, you'll have Jesus. And what do I always say when you have Jesus? You don't become sinless, but you sin less. less. Faith without works is dead. So if you embrace this gift that you've been given, have you taken advantage of your salvation? Yes. Good. So the people of Israel... The people of Israel at that time, they've been waiting a long time. A long time for their coming Messiah. A long time. A long time. In fact, there was scripture written from Genesis up through uh, Deuteronomy, the law of Moses, and then all the major prophets and minor prophets and everybody that came after that, and then all of a sudden there was like a 450 year hiatus. Nobody wrote anything. Well, how about the 400 year hiatus between the 
end of Genesis and the beginning of Exodus. There's 400 years right there. So there's this 450 year hiatus where the people feel what? The same way that people felt during Joseph passing on and going through 400 years of tribulation and becoming slaves to the Egyptians. You want to know what they felt like? Hopeless. Hopeless. Lost. God's forgotten me. You know what really you say to yourself when you feel hopeless, God's forgotten me? You want to know the next thought that comes in your mind? Is God even real? That's the way your brain works. It's your human nature. But you know who's telling you that? Don't listen to him. So listen. The people of Israel have been waiting a long time for their coming Messiah. But they still had to receive the gift by choice. And today's story in Luke is the day God became a baby. The day God became a baby. Okay, we got on board. Everybody's got your notes? Yes. Okay, I'm going to read through this scripture. And we're going to go through it slowly because you know I like to break it down. I like to do a bird, I don't like to just do a bird's eye view, I like to do a street level view what we read. I like that. Slow down. Because how many times do we read something in here, and I slow us down, and I say, look at that one sentence. And all of us, including me, 18 times I've read it, I'm like, wow. That sentence really changed everything I just read around that. It's a lie. Thank you, Bill. Luke 2. You guys all know you want to hear the Christmas story. We're going to hear the Christmas story three times this month. I'm going to make it different every week. That's about my limit line, right? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Uh, we're working with new cameras today. Listen, everybody, technical difficulties. God is good. We come through. He's going to take care of us. Bless Greg. He's not here today. He's not feeling too great. So we're streaming on Facebook. Yes, we're on the live stream here. We're not streaming live on YouTube today. We're streaming live on Facebook. And, uh, you know, technical difficulties. we got it all figured out, though. Yeah. All right, let's do this story. Luke 2, 1 through 20. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. God orchestrates everything to happen at the right time, the way it was meant to be, for a reason. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All, not most, not some, not the ones who were important, and not the ones not counted, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of who? King David. King David. He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, which is David's ancient home. So here's Joseph and Mary living where they're living. And at just the right time, the governor wants to take a census. And now they have to leave and travel here to do this census. Everything happens at the right time for a reason. 
He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. I find it odd that Mary didn't go back to her hometown. So was the census for the men? Or was the census for everybody? Good question. So he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. Because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, I like that word. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. He was like, hey, what's up, bro? How you doing? Nope. Or they were like, hey, you look a little different, man. Sit down. We don't know you. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. I like that word, terrified. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them with my favorite words. Don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news. I bring you good news. That will bring great joy to all people. The Savior. Yes, the Messiah. The one you've been waiting for. The one that all the scriptures talk about. The ones that all the prophets wrote about. Him. That one. He's been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Interesting. Angels are here. This is taking place here. And these guys find out about it, and the angels tell them exactly what they're going to find. Now, suddenly, suddenly, got to get it. Yes, got it. Suddenly. <laughs> suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. Now, this would freak me out. I don't know if you're not freaking out, but this would freak me out. You picture this in the story, like you read little golden books growing up. You read little Bible books about Jesus. Jesus loves the little children. Yeah, you, we've been there. <laughs> I'm talking about we are walking outside right now, and some dude shows up in the parking lot, bigger, stronger, better looking than all of us, with light radiating from him, and he starts to tell us, about Jesus' second return, right? And then all of a sudden, a vast host of people are standing around him. You are freaking out. You are freaking, this is happening at 1220 when you're bleeding here. This is not just like you went to Starbucks and met some nice uh, lady named Judy who was perfect with your coffee. This is crazy. This is, this is, this is too much to handle. That's why they were terrified. You know what terrified looks like? 
Has anybody been terrified? Yes. We're all old enough in this room. Anybody ever felt like you were going to die? It's not a good feeling. It's a scary feeling. Super scary feeling. Question everything. Shake a little bit. Don't feel too good. And if you haven't, you should try it. <laughs> no, you don't want to. <laughs> so listen, so there's these guys. This is happening, right? This is happening, you guys. So suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, this is where the story gets good. The shepherds said to each other. There's four words right there. You wrote to Red House. The 18 times you read this story. The shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. You know what that was right there? Oh, I'll put it in one word. It starts with a D, ends with an N. It was called a decision. A decision to follow Christ. A decision to receive salvation. A decision to live with Jesus. A decision to follow Jesus. It was a decision after everything that had taken place. The angels didn't command and say, get to Bethlehem quickly. They said, this is what happened in Bethlehem. See ya. And they floated away. And these guys made a decision to go check it out. Just like you made a decision at one point in your life when somebody invited you to come to the Rivers Church. Or somebody invited you to go and listen to the Word of God be read somewhere. You made a decision to go do it. That's what happened right here in the story. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that happened, which the Lord has told us about. I love this. They took their time and stopped at Starbucks and then grabbed some Taco Bell and then went by Aunt Sally's house and then went to the party that they had to stop by at 3 o'clock. No, it didn't, they didn't do any of that. It says they did what? They hurried. They ran. You know what hurry means in that time? They moved quickly. Without haste. Okay. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. After, uh, uh, and there was the baby lying in the manger. So in this moment, what just happened and freaked them out is being confirmed. Based off a decision to investigate. I can lead you and pull you by the hand to the Bible. But you have to open it up and read it. You have to open it up and investigate it. I can invite you to find Jesus. I can tell you all about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is on fire in this room. The Holy Spirit is in our presence. That's right. But until you investigate it yourself, you're clueless. So, there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, 
After seeing him. There's one word there. After seeing him. The shepherds told everyone what happened. And what the angel had said to them about this child. Do you know what I would say if Javier called me at 3 o'clock today and said, Bro, after I left church, the angel showed up in the parking lot like you kind of talked about. And he was telling me a bunch of stuff. And then there was a vast host of angels. And then they flew off in the sky. And I got to call you and tell you about it. Do you know what my first thought is going to be? Javier's not taking his meds. <laughs> okay? During that time, 2,000 years ago, telling people stuff like this probably didn't sound too safe. Right. But because it was real, because it happened, because they saw it, experienced it, what did they do? After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story thought they were crazy. No, that's not what it says. It says all who heard the, the shepherd's story were astonished. Do you know why? There's another part of the story that you pass by. Because you think when you tell someone about Jesus, they're going to think you're crazy. Get it? But you know what they're going to be when you tell them your faith? They're going to be astonished. You missed out on the story? I know I did. Had to read it a bunch of times. Start pulling these nuggets out of there. That's what I identify with that in that story. That is what I identify with in that story. That is what I pull out of that. Everybody that you want to go tell Jesus about, you think that they're going to think you're crazy. He's a Jesus freak now. He loves Jesus a little too much. The guy told me about Jesus at 7 a.m. He texted me a Bible verse at 10.30 and then invited me to his church group on Wednesday at 6. I'm a little worried about him. Don't be afraid. That's right. They will be astonished. Share your faith. Okay, moving on. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Now, I love this. This all took place for one person here, right? One person experienced all this in a supernatural way, unlike anybody else. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Mary didn't run off and tell anybody. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just... As the angel had told them. It was exactly what God said would happen. It was exactly what God orchestrated would happen at exactly the right time. Don't be afraid. 
Today, in the city of David, in the town of Bethlehem, the Messiah, yes, the Messiah, your Lord, has been born. You will know him by this. You will find him wrapped in a cloth, lying in a manger. I heard somebody talk to me about Jesus. I think I'm going to go investigate that for myself. And then they show up and they confirm the message. It's okay to invite somebody to church. They might get here and be astonished at what they hear. Not you being embarrassed that they were not astonished. We're fearful people. Some of us lack confidence. It's true. I lack confidence. Surprised? I lack confidence in certain areas of my life. Just like we all do. I'm going to be the first one to tell you I lack confidence in some things. I'm not afraid of the weights. I'm going to pick it up. If I, say, if I put it on my back, I go down with it. It's coming up. But I'm afraid of stupid stuff. And I lack confidence. But that's okay. So let's look at this. I thought one of the coolest things I thought out of that whole story, that you're like, what was so cool about that? Letter I, Roman numeral one, Mary pondered over the miracles. Luke 2.19. That was what we just read. All this stuff happened. The angel Gabriel shows up, tells her she's having a baby. That she's impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Right? She ends up pregnant. At this point, she knows she has not been with a man. So now what this angel showed up, don't be afraid, told her what happened is happened. Now she's with Joseph. They travel to Bethlehem because of a census that pops up in the middle of her being pregnant. And if she knew anything about the scripture and Joseph knew anything about the scripture, they would both know that the scripture said the Savior would be born in Bethlehem, yet they lived 80 miles away. And she was pregnant. But a census pops up at just the right time to get them to travel to Bethlehem. So all of a sudden they're in Bethlehem, and the scriptures says this is what's going to happen, and it took place. But she keeps it to herself. Did Mary lack confidence? I don't know. I don't know why Mary... She was excited to tell her cousin, but that's about it. She wasn't excited to tell Joseph. Okay, so let's look at a few things that happened in that story. Number one, the difficult arrival in Bethlehem. This was not an easy trip. From Nazareth to Bethlehem, it's not an easy trip. It's an 80 mile trek. 80 miles. 80 miles, would that be Stockton? On a donkey. On a donkey. Or Camels, donkeys, whatever they rode. 80 miles. Vallejo, thank you. Yeah. Okay? We don't know what time of the year it was, but we know what part of the world it was in. It was probably not an easy trip. 
while you're eight months plus pregnant. Part B that I pulled pull out of this because I told you about you know truth. This story was historical. What made this story historical, Chris? Luke would use literal historical context and political context to factualize the events. Chris, we don't talk politics at church. Yeah, that's the one time you're going to see that one. Because I'm telling you that Luke used political context. How? He talked about the governor. He talked about the census. And he talked about the Caesar. He put those three people in the story to bring relevance in a political context of what was going on at the time. Now, bullet point C. Why, Chris? Because there was a real Jesus, there was a real Caesar, and there was a real governor named Quirinius. That is why he put these things in the story. So that they would hold over time. Because if it just said, there was something going on, they traveled to Bethlehem and had this baby, you'd be like, when? What happened? Why? No, all the context is there. What was happening at the time is included in this story to add value. Now, I like this next part that I wrote. Don't put it up yet. Don't put it up yet. Hmm. Your pastor's loud and excited sometimes, okay? I'm pretty calm today because we're just doing the story of Jesus. Yeah, this is me, calmer than normal. <laughs> I'm doing the story of Jesus, so I'm trying to be Ricky Bobby. Little baby Jesus. Calm, cool, collective, okay? Jesus, when Jesus showed up, the skies opened up and, 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 and thunder and lightning, and they said, This is my son, and I'm happy, and everything's great, and your Savior's here. Is that what happened? No. Jesus arrived on the scene quietly. The quiet arrival of God. That's what happens in this story. As much as we want to be excited about this, when he showed up on the scene, it was calm, cool, and collective. There, we don't even have room for you to end anybody, for anybody to know that you're having a baby, let alone here, you scream during childbirth. Got a spot in anger for you. Quiet over there. You'd be with the other animals. Outside, where no one cares. Jesus' first entry to the world was a quiet one on a starlit night. Quiet, quiet, quiet. You ever drove off in the middle of nowhere out here, got out of your car, and enjoyed the night? The quiet? That's what it was like when Jesus showed up on the scene. First time. The first time. But you know what the second time is going to be like? Kind of like I described. The second coming will be triumphant with the shout of the archangel. And the trumpets will sound. Are you ready? Yes. I don't believe you guys. Ready. We walk out of the parking lot right now. The skies opened up and Jesus started floating down. And the archangel started uh, shouting that he was coming. And trumpets started sounding. I think we'd all fall on the ground terrified. Even though we know the truth. Even though we believe. And you know what's going to have to happen? Someone's going to put their hand on our shoulder and say, do not be afraid. The time you've been waiting for has come. 
And we're going to do what? We're going to meet him in the air. The believers will meet him in the air. Are you ready for that? Yes. Okay. Number three point here. I like this one. Because I got the difficult arrival of Bethlehem, the quiet arrival of God. Now I've got the surprise arrival of the shepherds. The surprise arrival of the shepherds. I love the shepherds' story. Angel shows up, tells them what's going on. They freak out. All of a sudden, a vast host of angels are there. They're singing worship. You know, they got Skip at their side. And they're walking out. <laughs> Glory to God in the highest. Peace. Peace on earth to you. Okay? Just like he was up here singing. They were up there, go tell it on the mountain. Okay? Right? And what did these shepherds do after? Let's go see for ourselves. They made a decision to investigate. They made a decision to inquire. They made a decision to follow. They made a decision to have faith. They made a decision to believe. Roman numeral two, the message that God proclaimed. What happened in this story? You don't have to be afraid. I like this one. I explained it 15 times already. I don't need to bullet point anymore. Encountering angels at night tends to frighten people. <clears throat> so my daughter grew up. We watched a billion episodes of SpongeBob on repeat. And, uh, there was this uh, hash-slinging slasher <laughs> episode. I think I said it right. The hash-slinging slasher. And SpongeBob's like, he's going out to take the trash. He's like, Squidward, I'm taking out the garbage at night. <laughs> I picture that when I read this, because that's what I wrote. Encountering angels at night <laughs> tends to frighten people. Okay, it does. Encountering an angel in the day would scare you enough. Now at night? Remember when I told you guys? You ever experienced where you felt like you were going to die? Okay, I'm going to tell you something. For those of you who have been there twice. <laughs> It feels different in the day and it feels different in the night. When it's nighttime, it's worse. Come on, where's my people that know exactly what I'm talking about? When you felt like you were dying in the day, you were like, oh. When you felt like you were dying at night, you were like, this is the one. I'm out of here. Checked out. I'm not going to see the light of day ever again. There is a difference. There really is. So listen, encountering angels at night tends to frighten people, okay? I have become like you so that you can know me. For over 2,000 years, even longer, people knew God. Adam, before sin, Bible says he walked and talked with God. You ever hear anybody say, nobody's ever seen God? Well, the Bible tells us Adam walked and talked with God before sin. Because then even when he sinned, he was hiding from God, so God was looking for him, so God's presence was there in the garden and found him and said, what are you doing hiding? Do you think he was talking to a burning bush? Okay? 
But once sin came into the world and we were separated from the presence of God, it wasn't until he came back. He says, I have become like you so that you can know me. What did Jesus say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? That's what he came back to do. He came back to have a relationship with you. Today a Savior has been born to you, not just to Mary. Bible, that's what the story said. Remember that's what the angels told the shepherds. Today a Savior has been born to Mary and Joseph. Today a Savior has been born to you. That's what the angel said to the shepherds. Today a Savior has been born to you, not just to Mary. He had to become like us so we can better relate to him. This is what Jesus came into the world for. He came, he had to become like us so we can better relate to him. He suffered the way he suffered. He felt the way he felt. He experienced life the way you experienced life. And like Joseph, I told you, was our first image of a Savior who was wanting to be killed by his brothers, left in the pit, sold to the Israelites, who sold him to Egypt at 17 years old. At 30 years old, 13 years later, he rises to power. Seven years of good passes, he's 37. Two years into the famine, his brothers show up on the scene. He hasn't seen them in 22 years. And he said, everything that you did was God's plan. The thing that you did to harm me was God's plan. The things that will later happen to Jesus 33 years from this moment were meant for good, not for harm. Now, number three. I invite you to come receive my gift. You guys, tend to the flock. Today a Savior has been born to Mary. No. A Savior has been born to you. In the town of Bethlehem. In the city of David. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord. You should go check it out. I invite you to come receive my gifts. The angels invited the shepherds to investigate and confirm their message. The angels invited the shepherds to investigate and confirm, confirm the message. They heard God's what? They heard God's invitation. And by choice, faith, a hope to believe, travel to see for themselves. I've heard the good news, now I'm going to check it out. Someone invited me to church, I've heard about Jesus, I'm going to check it out. Don't be afraid to share your faith, they might be astonished. I like this part. And close it up with this. I'm going, to, I'm going to share something with you today. It was one of my bullet points. It was one of my strong points out of this message that I think probably I've never heard anybody share. I've never heard anybody share. But I found it. Read, 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 and boom. It just stood out to me. The shepherds. I was, I was focused on the shepherds in this story today. 
The shepherds were so excited. Oh, wait. Once you meet me, you can't keep it a secret. Did we get that? No. Once you meet me, you can't keep it a secret. Sorry, guys. Once you meet me, you can't keep it a secret. You won't be able to contain your faith in a glass jar, guys. Well, mine's been contained for a long time, Pastor Chris. Well, I think it's time to shake up your jar and check what's in it. Oh, did I offend you? I don't care. <laughs> if the shoe fits, wear it, Cinderella. Okay? That Pastor Chris is always saying offensive things in there. Okay, listen. Once you meet me, you can't keep it a secret. Are you telling anybody about Jesus? Yes. Or are you keeping it a secret? It's just your secret. It's just your Jesus. It's just your salvation. I shared it for five years, like five years ago. Like I became a Christian in like 2000. And I shared my faith for five years. And then like 2005, I plugged into this church and I've been just doing other things since then. I can't remember the last time I shared about Jesus. Honestly. Ask yourself these questions. Once you meet me, you can't keep it a secret. Let me add on to that ever again. Now, the shepherds were so excited, they spread the word concerning the child. Isn't that what it said in our story? After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels had told them. They were so excited. They spread the word concerning the child. Here's my biggest bullet point of the day. I love this one. They were truly the first evangelists. These were the first guys to go out and tell everybody about Jesus. First ones. Boom, Chris, I never heard that before. I know, right? Wasn't that good? These guys were the first evangelists. They were the first ones to run and say, the Savior's born, we got good news, he's real, we saw him, we believe, he's here. And they told everybody, once you meet me, you can't keep it a secret. These guys were the first evangelists. They were excited to go tell everybody about Jesus. They were excited to tell everybody about their faith. They were excited to invite people to find out about Jesus. Are you excited? Are you excited? Yes. Or is Christmas just about gifts and presents? No. Mm -hmm. We took a, a funny poll in our <clears throat> Facebook group. He was asking about Christmas. And one of our polls wrote, and I'm going to tell you the way Pastor Chris voted. Because if you look, you can see everybody votes what they're voting for. One of them said, I love Jesus, but I'd like to stay home in my jammies and love him from home. Anybody love Jesus and want to love him from their couch on Christmas Day and love him from their jammies? Okay. I straight up. That was my vote. So we are, we're doing three weeks of Christmas Sunday, 
Christmas Sunday, we want you to spend that with your families. We know a lot of people do things on Christmas Eve. We know a lot of people travel on Christmas Day. And that's why we're like, we just kind of like, you know, who's going to be here? Who's going to not be here? Who's going to want to have church? Who's not going to want to come to church? And maybe people that would plan on coming to church anyways would be happy to hear, hey, why don't you just sleep in, wake up, enjoy your families, enjoy your cooked meals and do your thing without having to get all your kids ready, put on your fake smiles and show up to church. <laughs> right? Everybody that laugh. I love you all. You're my people. Lord, Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this story, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth in it, Lord. I thank you that you wrote and you gave Luke the, the words to put on paper, Lord. And all the stuff in the, that's included in this to just become brick and mortar. And to hear that these shepherds we're so excited to go and find out and investigate and receive by choice what you brought into the world. Your free gift, they received it. <clears throat> they went to investigate. They went to claim ownership of it. And once they had, they told everyone about it. They were your first evangelists. Lord, I thank you for their faith, those shepherds. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the faith of all my people here, Lord. If there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus, Lord, put it on their heart to come up and talk to me afterwards. Lord, I thank you in advance for everything you're going to do in our hearts during this Christmas season. Help us to remember every single day, everywhere we go, that Jesus is the reason for the season. Help us to remember every single day that we need to invite people to church, that there's nothing to be embarrassed about, that we don't need to be afraid, and that they might be astonished to hear these things, Lord, and that they need to come and check out what's going on over here, Lord. They need to hear the good news. Lord, I thank you in advance for those people, Lord. I pray that you bring those people into our lives over the next month, Lord. I pray that you challenge us. Challenge us to do this for you, Lord. We're not going to test you, but you can test us, Lord. Challenge us, Lord. I thank you for that. I thank you for everybody here. I pray that they all stay safe, stay warm, stay well. Lord, I thank you. I look forward to next week, Lord. I pray that you pour your spirit on us, Lord. Give us a good message for next week, Lord. I put it on paper, what you put there, Lord. I thank you for everybody here. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay. All right. Now we're going to go be shepherds today.